Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom News Radio one episode at a time. I'm your host, Jordan, and here with me is my wife, a paragon of intelligence, fortitude, and feminine grace. Kayleen. That's me. Today we'll be talking about Season 3, Episode 1, entitled President. So Kayleen, I like to ask at the top, how are you doing? I'm so sick of our family. (laughs) Sick of all of you. So listeners, that's the energy that Kayleen is bringing tonight, Mm -hmm. is just like Mm -hmm. done with all of us. So that'll be good uh, podcasting. One of the weirdest things about being in a family is like, I love all of you so desperately much and you all drive me fucking bonkers (laughs) like I just want you to go away and then I want you to come back and then I want you to go away (gasps) go away I miss you it's hard being in a family (laughs) it is yeah but then like if I didn't have a family I'd be so sad yeah so I guess I'm lucky I just would like more alone time sure wouldn't we all well, buckle in. We're going to podcast for the next know, hour and a half. I know. I know. Hour and a half. If we're lucky. Ugh, 45 minutes. I got 45 minutes for you. So, Kayleen, it's been a while. We say that every time. It's I actually true. was thinking, I was like, let's just not say let's it's not been say a while. That. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say that it's been a while. I will say that it hasn't been recent. Time has passed and many things have happened. We have not podcasted recently. That's true. But we're here. It's season three. Oh, God, I'm still here. I can't. I'm enjoying this less. Okay. (laughs) I know. I heard your heart break a little bit. It did. I know. I'm I'm still here. You keep telling me it's going to get better. Season three. Isn't this like your favorite season? I will say I've got an episode coming up very soon. That I do think is probably my favorite episode of the entire series. And I'm not going to tell you which one. That's a lot of pressure. I, that's why I'm not going to tell you which one. No, that's a lot of pressure because I'm going to be honest. And if I think it's dumb, I'm going to say I think it's dumb. But you know what? And then we'll get divorced. <laughs> I don't think you're going to think it's dumb. Okay. All right. What else is going on with you? Nothing. Same old, same old. Family life. Mm-hmm. At least none of us are sick. We were sick for an entire <laughs> oh, month. God. I know. One of us in our family was sick at every point in October. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes more than one. Yep. Mm-hmm. We made it through. I'm hitting the hand sanitizer. <laughs> and we got our flu shots. Mm-hmm. Did you get yours yet? Yep. Okay. I got it before anybody. Okay. So and I'm also COVID boosted. So we're all flu shotted. Yep. You've had your fourth booster now. I have. I've only had my third. I thought about, I was going to get my fourth. And then I got COVID. Right. So then I was like, well, I'm good for a few months. I still think you can. Yeah. But I'm excited. Here we are podcasting. You're so happy. I love doing this. I know. I see it. You've had a great day. I have had a really good day. I know. Do you, want, do you want to do your brag? Oh, so I had a good day at work. I'm moving to a new team. It, that's nice. And then I have been keeping up with my jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I have gone, I think I've put something like 20 hours total into it. It feels like more. 20 classes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I got my first stripe today. So I am a one stripe white belt. la de I am ridiculously proud. I know. I know. You were just 
you were your buttons were bursting when uh, you walked in the door. I was chuffed. Yeah, you were chuffed. You were well chuffed. Mm-hmm. I will just say that this is not something that comes naturally to me, so I do have to work at it. So what then, pride? Oh, I was just gonna say physical. Oh. <laughs> I think you should. You should be. Marsh, my pride doesn't come naturally like, to me either. I'm a good Midwesterner. So. I know. I'm like you need more bragging and pride. So no uh, physical sports. Mm-hmm. as they call them, <laughs> don't come naturally to me. So I've had to work really hard on that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also a good Midwesterner that chafes at the idea of bragging. But it's not even bragging. You should just say like, hey, I did a good job. Hey, I worked hard and I got a thing. Yeah, that's not even bragging. That's yeah. just like life. Yeah. You should get a good thing when you work hard. <laughs> but I'm still enjoying it. I went to yoga yesterday. Yeah. And my wrist is hurting less. I'm cautiously optimistic I might be able to actually do a down dog tomorrow. Wow, that's great. Which I haven't been able to do in forever. So nice. Yeah, that would be nice. Jujitsu, yoga. Mm-hmm. Where are we going to fit podcasting in? I mean, we'll have to move the other things around to make sure we keep I know. podcasting. I know. Kayleen, I just love spending time with you. Aww. And it's so nice that you are willing to do this thing with me. So that's so sweet. Double, double plus good. Double plus good. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That, see, that makes me like want to keep doing it because I know how much it means to you. And you're just so fucking cute. You are. You are. You Okay. You can't take that either. Nah, good nah, Midwestern. Nah. Can't take a compliment. Can't either. take a compliment. No, you're adorable when you get all excited. You're like a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> So I also like to ask at the top, what have you been watching lately? Oh, there's a third season of Love is Blind on Netflix. I feel like I actually, we talked about this on the podcast before, because I think I asked you in the podcast before, if you and I were in pods and couldn't see each other and could only talk to each other, if we would fall in love. Yeah, you did ask that. I don't yeah. know if, I mean, I, I will give you my honest answer again, which is, I think I would do terribly in that situation because it's all talking and... Yeah, but you also don't have to see the person. So I wonder if it's easier to open up. Do you think so? Well, I think that's part of the deal is like. But you can't read the other person's body language. Yeah, but also. You can't tell if you're boring them. So it's true that there's not the positive reinforcement for saying, you know, like getting the eye contact, the nods, the whatever. But you're also not getting the eye contact when you're maybe saying something that's difficult to say mm-hmm. or um I don't know I feel like I probably probably would be not that unsimilar from when we started dating which is I talk a lot uh you listen a lot you like what you hear and I like being listened to so mm-hmm. <laughs> recipe for love <laughs> kind of yeah do you think that I am I'm more of a talker now than I was when we started dating, or do you think I'm the same? I think you're the same. I think you're just more self-aware about yes. yeah. what you're saying and why you're saying it and, like, where it's going. God. I don't know how you put up with me. I would have been so annoyed with myself. I mean, that cuts both ways. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we, were both, we were both pretty insufferable at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, you know, we're both better versions of ourselves now. That's all you can ask. Yeah. Actually, we like vowed that to each other in our wedding vows. Mm-hmm. Hmm, good job, us. Yeah. Keeping those vows. Um, so anyway, I've been watching Love is Blind. 
Oh, I've been watching the last few days the new season of Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. I really enjoy that as well. I I'm not a true crime girl. I'm not one of those girls that can just like listen to hours of like crime podcasts. Mm-hmm. But I like it a little. I sure. I got a little dateline in me. I like I like the versions of it where it's a little bit more like mysterious and less mm-hmm. gory. Like he kept all of their hearts in a jar <laughs> on his shelf. Like so, I don't I don't want that, but I would like sometimes it verges on almost like paranormal, yeah, right? I like that. Yeah, stuff. so I feel like there's different types of episodes. One is a person goes missing and like nobody knows what happens. It's like a huge like were they murdered? Did aliens abduct them? Did they commit suicide? Um, police are baffled. Their family is, you know, distraught. That's sort of one word. It really is just like a huge mystery. Another genre is somebody goes missing or they find like a body or there's like a crime committed, but they can't find the person who did it. Like they know that somebody did something, but either that person is on the run or they have a suspicion, but they're not quite sure. And they kind of want the public's help in trying to find them. And apparently, actually, quite a few Unsolved Mysteries cases have been solved because of the show. Mm. Like, people have seen them. Mm. I mean, you don't get that kind of mass audience for a crime, you know, um, otherwise. So there's that genre. And then there's a the genre of, like, paranormal stuff. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of people saw alien spacecraft in the sky on... January 27th in Lake Michigan in the 1980s and they have all this recorded audio and people's eyewitness accounts and what the hell was that alien or the one I watched recently was about the skinwalkers yeah and like the Navajo community Mm -hmm. fuck that's scary (laughs) yeah apparently there's a horror movie called the skinwalker or something that came out recently Hmm. although skinwalkers seem more like a cultural superstition than something that actually has a lot of like physical evidence yeah it feels like they're reporting more on like the cultural tradition and like um stories around skinwalkers than they were like here's a really scary thing that happened or here's evidence or here's it's more like people giving sort of the anecdotes sure but that's what I've been watching. Well, that's a really nice segue because one of the things that I watched leading up to Halloween was I was watching a fair bit of The X-Files. Oh, yeah. You did that without me. I was kind of bummed. <laughs> I wanted to watch it. Well, you were too busy watching The Girls Next Door. That was that was, that was was cruel. You didn't have to say that. <laughs> Not untrue. Okay. I've also been watching The Girls Next Door and listening to the podcast Girls Next Level. And if any of you are also watching or listening to that, I want to hear from you. There. Goodbye. I'm embarrassed. Uh, so I was just definitely picking and choosing some of the better ones of the X-Files, not going deep into the, especially the mythology ones, but you know, just watching some um, classic ones like Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose and Jose Chung's From Outer Space and some of the ones with the lone gunman. Just the, the more silly ones, I think, are the more mm. fun. Do you remember one where there's like... People caught up in cocoons in the trees. No? I think that's a season one episode. Did we watch it together or something? So that is a like one of the only memories I have of watching the X-Files. Like I know I've seen quite a few X-Files episodes, but I can't I couldn't like recount any single one to you. Mm-hmm. 
But I remember watching like that episode when I was a kid. Mm. All I remember is like people being like swarmed by like these like green glowing bugs, I think, or Mm. something like it was like a paranormal type one. Yeah. And then they find them up in the trees in these like huge cocoons. Interesting. Or like spider web type things. I don't think I'm making this up. That sounds vaguely familiar, but um, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of chaff <laughs> in the X Files. Yeah, and then there's also just a lot of kind of repetitive ones where like what you just described probably could be like describe six different, like six epi- different episodes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and I'm no expert, definitely, um, but that sounds vaguely familiar. Hmm. Another one that we watched together before Halloween was. Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, you liked it more than me. I had never seen it before, and yeah. we picked it out of a lineup, and I really enjoyed it. I found myself thinking about it. Really? Yeah, it was really fun. I was a little bit, I was kind of turned off. Oh. I was a little, like, it was fine. Um, I don't particularly like the music. Hmm. I'm not a big musical fan in general, which I is... Mean. Which is weird. It feels like I should be. Think who you're talking to as well. I don't think of myself as a musical fan either. Right. But yeah, the music didn't strike me as particularly like catchy or interesting. And yeah, that big ass plant kind of creepy and just weirder than I remember. I saw that when I was a kid, like probably 10 or 12 or something. I know. My friend's house, I know. Yeah. Her 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 parents had a lot of different movies than what were at my was at my house. Like the, I was at her house where I watched Amadeus. Ah. It was her house where I watched. I mean, that wasn't the best picture, you know. I know, but like as a twelve year old, like I mean, it's an interesting choice. But. Yeah. Um, I remember watching Stand by Me mm-hmm. at her house, which is like still one of my like favorite movies. Such a good movie. Um. Yeah, and one of them was Little Shop of Horrors. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like, that was just one that they had. And, you know, when you have a finite amount of VHS tapes around, yeah, right. what you get to watch. Right. Anything else? No, let's get into the episode. I think we need to report back because in the most recent episode that listeners have heard, mm-hmm. you propose wanting to watch Behind Her Eyes. Oh, and yeah. And we did watch. Yeah, we did. Behind her eyes. And Jordan now knows what's behind her I eyes. I know what's behind her eyes. It was kind of good, right? It, you stuck with it. You it stuck was not with for it. me. Like, it was no. not my thing. Yep. But it was okay. And you stuck with it. I stuck with it. And, like, the twist at the end was pretty good. It was all right. Yeah. It takes a long time to get to the payoff. It could have been a movie instead of yes. a like yes. eight episode, eight hour long episode series. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. I think it should have been a movie. Yeah. That's fine. All right. Well, let's not do any spoilers. Let's see if you too can find out what's behind her eyes. What's behind her eyes. You need to leave that in the podcast. <laughs> For the record, every time we watched an episode, that's what Jordan would sing. <laughs> it was kind of a... Um, original series Star Trek <laughs> theme song that I made up because you know how the original series Star Trek is that like operatic. I have no idea what you're talking about. The original Star Trek series. Do you know the theme song With for like that? With like William Shatner? Yeah. I No, not at all. Okay. 
the they, only it's operatic. It's like it's a it's a it's a soprano singing like. Oh, okay. So I was doing that with. What's behind her eyes? <laughs> I sound like Dame Edna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <sighs> yeah. Okay, so you should just know. The only Star Trek knowledge I have is Next Generation. The only Star Trek knowledge I'm interested in having is Next Generation. Okay, but you can't understand some of what happens in Next Generation unless you know a little bit of the history. Then I won't understand. That's okay. okay. I'm okay with that. (laughs) I accept that. Should we get into the news radio episode? Please. All right. This is Season 3, Episode 1 entitled President. It first aired September 18th, 1996. It was written by Paul Sims and directed by Tom Sharonis. And Tom Sharonis is kind of like the director from here on out. We've had a lot of different directors. Tom Sharonis does pretty much all of season three and most of seasons four and five. Hmm, okay. So the synopsis from IMDb, Mr. James announces he's running for president and challenges Lisa to dig up dirt that will stop him. Beth, Joe, Catherine, and Bill hold an intervention to convince Matthew to shave off his mustache. In the first scene, we get a cold open on Dave stepping off the elevator. He was on vacation in Wisconsin, so everyone's kind of greeting him early in the episode. I kind of like the framing that everyone was kind of on vacation, and that's why we haven't seen them in a while. Sure. And it kind of like matches up with the, okay, we're coming back for another season. Yeah, that's not uncommon. The office did that. They'd be like, oh, over the summer, what happened? Yes. Or, you know, yeah, things like that. So Dave says that in Wisconsin, he got to see his folks, visit a few museums. Um, Beth laughs at the idea of museums in Wisconsin, which, hey, that's a little hurtful. Although she's not wrong. Like, what museums are there? Um, the Mustard Museum in Middleton? Yeah, there's the uh, wood carving Museum. With the life-size Last Supper. That's true. We did see that. That's right. I forgot about that. The Art Museum in Milwaukee is beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's maybe about That's right. three. Okay. Well, There's we got the, it. the big fish up in Hayward. Yeah. Is that a museum? I mean, it's a sight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sight to see. So Lisa kisses Dave, so they must still be together. Joe asks, but he doesn't really even seem to care what the answer is. So, I'm sorry, Kayleen. I know. I'm so irritated. I will say there was next to nothing about their relationship in this episode. No, you're right. Um, I don't even care if they're dating. I just, I was thinking about how if I were working in an office and one of my coworkers was dating our boss and I had to watch them kiss and like canoodle. And again, I don't think of myself as a prude or as like a, a Karen, but like I would be really irritated and kind of grossed out. Yeah. Like I would not want to see that at work. Mm-hmm. And like it just feels so unprofessional and try hard. Hmm. So I was glad that like they kissed a lot in the first scene and then it was kind of done. Yeah. Like, so like that, that was kind of nice. They really did kind of drop it. Right. Uh, so then Matthew gets off the elevator and apparently over a vacation, he has grown a thick, bushy mustache. I did right. I think mustaches were funnier in the nineties 
Because there's been a sort of resurgence of mustaches in the last few years. Yes. And I feel like they, it's more socially acceptable now for men. It's almost like a weird bohemian, like, grunge look. Yeah, it was a little bit of a hipstery thing. Yeah. Kind of like with uh, suspenders or yes. sideburns. or Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Joe! Joe! Joe, come back. I think there's been an accident. What? <laughs> Yeah, I think you missed Dance Beaver by about 15 years. Oh, yeah, yeah, what is that? <laughs> Laugh it up. But between me, you, and these four walls, chicks really dig this, David. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's oh, a chick yeah. magnet. <laughs> really? Yeah. How's Wisconsin? Oh, Wisconsin was great. Got to see my folks, got to visit uh -huh. a few. I can't pretend that's not there. They were just so appalled by his face. And I was just like, one, I don't believe he could actually grow something that intense you never know you never know what people can grow <laughs> i'm gonna stick by that it's jordan's word of wisdom for oh the my episode. god that sounds like a bumper sticker you never know what people can grow it's true <laughs> but usually like if a man has like thick facial hair then they have like a lot of hair on their arms and you'll see like hair coming out of the top of their shirt or like hair on their back or shoulders like it would be really weird if a dude could grow like a big bushy mustache and beard and then be virtually hairless on the rest of his body. Like that's weird. I mean, we don't see really hairy arms or hairy wrists or anything on Matthew, but we also don't, well, I was going to say we don't see him like we don't see the rest of his body. But he, that's he has exactly his shirt off. Yeah. He does have his shirt off in this episode. He's like a, he's like a seal. He's smooth like a seal. That is a, that is a weird uh, possibility then that he would, be able to grow a thick, bushy mustache, but be have no chest elsewhere. hair. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. so are you supposed to believe he like waxes or something? Like that doesn't make sense. So anyway, I was just like, yeah, mustaches. Okay, funnier in the '90s. Kind I of, mean, kind of whatever now. Yeah, like people did not have mustaches in the '90s, or they were very they were baseball players. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Yeah, so Matthew is super casual about it, and that's part of what I find funny about his performance is just he's like, yeah, what's the big deal? Uh, Dave is alarmed slash amused is kind of the the vibe I was getting. Joe laughs hysterically, um, so they all just react really strongly to mm -hmm. Matthew's mustache. He did have a 70s shirt on. Did you notice that? I was going to say I actually I really like his shirt. I like it. I like it too, but it has like a definite 70s flair, which I think is supposed to help set off the mustache. I think you're right. So Joe lines up Beth, Lisa, and Catherine behind Matthew as Matthew slowly turns around to show <laughs> to reveal his mustache to them. They scream, spit out water, and slap him respectively. I rolled my eyes so hard. So dumb. Right, and Jordan right. laughed. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think it's great. After the credits, Lisa sort of pushes Dave into his office. Mr. James is waiting there and is politely asking him about Ohio because apparently all the Midwest states are the same to the people on the East Coast. Mr. James announces that he is planning to run for president. And I love Dave's immediate response, which is no. I just want to point out that um, I called it. Yeah, you did. Not that it was that hard to call, but I called it. Yeah, you did. You guessed that that was the meaning of the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Dave, please, I'm trying to be polite here. Ohio, let's hear it. 
<sighs> okay, well, it, uh, it was great. I got to see my folks, got to visit a few museums. Okay, that's I enough. Was... I have decided to run for president of the United States. No. Yes. No. Oh, yeah. Why? <clears throat> Why not? So Lisa comes in and tells Mr. James that she's going to have to be tough on him because it's her job as a reporter. Mr. James admits to having more than a few skeletons in his closet. <laughs> yeah, I like how he says that he's got skeletons running around raiding the fridge, but Lisa won't be able to find them. He has a really classic news radio line, which is, I am a cipher wrapped in an enigma smothered in secret sauce. That seems like a 90s catchphrase. It does. Yeah. I like it. So here Beth marches in. She's humming, hail to the chief and wearing a James for President crop top and a patriotic boater hat. I just noticed that throughout this episode, she kept wearing less and less clothing. Mm. Like, she wasn't wearing a lot to begin with. The top she was wearing had, like, holes down the front, and, you know. And then now she's wearing, like, a crop top T-shirt. And then by the end of the episode, she's almost wearing a sports bra with sleeves. (laughs) And I just wonder if, like, the actress was okay with that. That's like, a great question. And, like, I mean, I get that they're trying to kind of make her this weird, bubbly, eccentric lady, I guess. But it feels unnecessary. I also was, like, looking at her torso and I was thinking, like, I wonder if she felt a lot of pressure to keep her weight down or to keep her, like, stomach flat or abs, you know, in check or whatever. Because so much of her costuming reveals her, like, midsection. And a lot of it. Yeah. Just a little. No, you're definitely right. So a couple of things. I know that she um, has a history of, like, being a Broadway, like, triple threat, like, singing, dancing, acting. So I do think that she was already kind of in the sort of shape where she could, you know, dance and be very physical on stage. I also don't get the feeling that she's wearing little clothing to titillate the audience. I don't get the sense that she's being put forward as like an object of, you know, ogling. Well, it is like, who is this for? Like to dress this character this way? Like, are we supposed to believe that she would dress herself that way for herself? Because she's not a character who seems like she wants a lot of attention from men. Yeah, and that's not an element of her personality that we've seen much. You're right. Right. But, like, usually if you're a woman who wears very little clothing, like, there's reasoning behind it. Because you know that you're drawing attention to yourself when but you do she, that. Yeah, but she also wears very, like, eye-catching, like, uh, daring clothing. No, yeah. She wears a lot of form-fitting, tight things. I'm talking about, like, showing her, like, whole stomach and, like, yeah. midriff. You know, like, I don't think... It's weird when, you know, if she layers strange things or, you know, even is wearing like tights and a mini skirt. But I was just, I was surprised in this episode in particular how little clothing she was wearing. Let's keep an eye on that because I think you are probably correct that as we go along, we see less, we have seen less clothing on her. I'm looking at an Instagram account right now. It's a very good one. It's one that you all should follow if you're interested in this topic. Uh, The account is Beth underscore WNYX underscore OOTD. So that'd be outfit of the day. Of of course, that's an Instagram. (laughs) Of course it is. 
someone is doing the Lord's work of uh, capturing photos of Beth in every episode and what she's wearing. And it does seem to me that earlier on she was wearing more clothing. Her fashion sense was just as daring, outre, shocking back then. (laughs) But um, maybe we're seeing more crop tops now. But it's also so weird that Lisa is wearing the most... She's a freaking undertaker. <laughs> yeah, she She's wearing all these misshapen <laughs> b- black suits. Yeah. Or gray suits or mauve suits that are just, like, so poorly tailored to her. Mm-hmm. A totem of mauve. Yeah, exactly. And, like, she's got a nice body. Like, she could wear, I don't know, like, even a skirt or, like, a fitted top or something. Yeah. You know, I've never heard that brought up about this show that Hmm. any of the actors or actresses, (laughs) let's be honest, actresses were being pressured to wear revealing things. I mean, this is around the time that this is before maybe Allie McBeal or on the same time. Around the same time, maybe a little bit before. Cause do you remember like the whole controversy with Allie McBeal? Um, Shorter skirts were Uh, the short. Well, all of them were wearing like super short skirts and they were like, these are supposed to be professional women Mm -hmm. in an office setting. Yeah. And again, Beth, okay, she's a secretary, but still, like, this is a radio station, feasibly a professional setting. Hmm. Um, it's kind of the same the same thing. I, I get that, like, you're saying that she's maybe not, she's not an overtly sexual character. So in that way, she's not like uh, Christina Applegate from, like, Married with Children. That's a good reference. Like, but, yeah. like, that's a clear, like, this is for men in the audience to, like, wolf whistle at. Yep. She's not that. But I also think that, like, she's there for the, for a, an audience member who's, like, maybe not into news radio that much. But, hey, there's a girl, and I can see her boobs. So I guess I'll keep watching. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Let's keep an eye on this because I hadn't yeah. thought about it that way. So one thing I wanted to point out is um, Beth marches in, I said, humming Hail to the Chief, but that's not actually correct. So she's she comes in going, do, 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 do. And I realized it's very strange that in the English language, we have a word for whistling, right? Mm-hmm. We have a word for humming. We have a word for singing. But I don't believe we have an English word for whatever she is doing. The do 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 Yeah, what is that? She's dutying. I, do, 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 ding. I don't think that's it. Bleeding. <laughs> that, that would be bleeding. Yeah. I mean, the closest I could think of would be like scatting, like scooby ba 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 dow But like, that's not it either. Um, tooting? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, that's the close. That's closer. Yeah. Ah, that was it. I don't know. <laughs> So she stabs a James for President pin on Dave's lapel. And after Mr. James leaves, Beth tells Dave that she's supporting Mr. James so he will make her transportation secretary because everybody knows if you're transportation secretary, you're allowed to commandeer anyone's car. (laughs) These jokes are so dumb. I think that's really funny. I think I should, when I post about this on Twitter, I think I should um, at Pete Buttigieg and see if that's true, that he could commandeer anybody's car. Okay. Bold move. 
In the next scene, out in the bullpen, Mr. James is focus testing some campaign ideas with Joe, Catherine, and Bill. Joe is insistent that the main plank of his platform should be exposing the government cover-up of alien bodies at Area 52, because everyone knows that Area 51 is a decoy. Well, that was the joke, Jordan. (laughs) Mr. James insists that his platform is that nothing is really wrong with America, and I love Bill's response, which is, your confusing thesis has captured my attention. (laughs) So Mr. James is talking to them, and suddenly he gets distracted by Matthew, who walks into the scene. And I just I just love his response, which is... What's the story with your face, son? <laughs> oh, yeah. This is uh, just something I, uh, you know, I grew out on vacation to, well, you know, make myself sexier. <laughs> you know, every man has a right to sex himself up however he sees fit, but you, you, you look like you belong at an amateur porn convention. <laughs> you so matthew says oh it's something i grew out on vacation to make myself sexier and mr james decides that he's going to show matthew a photo of when he grew a mustache in the 70s and matthew is just horrified so apparently mr james keeps that photo in his wallet as a warning um i feel like that's like the equivalent of a woman keeping a picture of herself with bangs in her wallet like the next time you think you want to go to the bangs just just look at this picture and remember yeah it's not a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. In the next scene, Dave and Bill are peering through Dave's blinds at Jimmy while they discuss the situation with Lisa. Bill is excited because Mr. James is going nuts and they all have front row seats. He's also convinced that Mr. James will win the election because he has a billion dollars. Does he really? He must be a billionaire. I guess this is the first, like, clear estimate of his net worth that we've gotten. We know he's very rich, but now we know he's yeah. at least a billionaire. Again, it just feels like another perfect example of like, oh, you can just buy being president. Mm-hmm. Like if you have enough money, you can just buy buy the political office or buy the opportunity to get close to it at least. Yeah. I love Bill's description of the situation, which is Dave says, come on, elections aren't just about money. And Bill says, and Christmas isn't just about presents, <laughs> <laughs> which at once tells us what he thinks of politics, but also tells us what he thinks about Christmas. So in the break room, Lisa asks Mr. James whether this is part of some rich guy bet. Mr. James says the last time he made one of those, he streaked through the Chicago Mercantile. Apparently that was the bet that he won. (laughs) Beth pops her head in to suggest a campaign slogan, and Mr. James suggests a campaign theme. Uh, My Maserati does 185, and she immediately knows that's Life's Been Good by Joe Walsh from 1978. Do you know that song? No idea. No. So I'm going to play you. Just a couple of seconds of it. Oh, yeah, I know the song. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, The main association I have with that song is that when I was in college... I spent a summer working at a sandwich shop, mm-hmm. and um, it was one of the less good jobs I've ever had. It's definitely one of the more menial jobs, and I've had some menial jobs, <laughs> but I was super broke, <laughs> living in a house with 
five other people right. <laughs> working as a barista and working in a sandwich shop. Mm-hmm. And I just remember standing there listening to the classic rock station and making sandwiches. And that song would come on the radio and I would just be like, I like this song. <laughs> the lyrics of the song could not have been more distant from my lived experience at that point. Like I'm literally making minimum wage, making sandwiches. And this guy's talking about life's been good. I stay in five-star hotels and drive a Maserati. <laughs> and I just remember being like, yeah, I'm not, good, not there yet. This is but... a good song. <laughs> in the next scene, Bill is holding an intervention in the men's room about Matthew's mustache. I think there are a couple of really good descriptions throughout the episode of Matthew's mustache. You can tell the writers were just having fun with like, what's a silly way we can describe this. And Catherine describes it as Freddie Mercury circa 1980. (laughs) I just really like the setup that like uh, Bill puts his hands on Matthew's shoulders and says, I just want everyone to go around and talk about how Matthew's mustache has affected them. (laughs) made me think about like I feel like intervention sort of became a thing in the 90s like the somebody's having like they have a drug problem and you're gonna sit down and we're all gonna confront you and we're gonna like drag it out in the open and confront it yeah that feels like that was kind of a yeah it's thing I mean it must have had enough cultural familiarity for this to be able to be a joke on a sitcom in 97 Yeah, I'm still working my way through The Sopranos, and not that long ago, there was an episode where they had an intervention for Christopher, and um, that was a few years later. That must have been more like 2002, Mm -hmm. I would say. Well, not that many years after that. I don't know. About 2003, 2004, it was an intervention, a show. Yeah, we watched some of that. Yeah. Your intervention's coming, don't worry. I got it. I got it planned. (laughs) It's like a party. (laughs) The worst party you've ever been to. (laughs) I thought for a second you were saying that I heard planned as plant. I was thinking, oh no, is this an intervention because I have too many house plants? A plant intervention. (laughs) I haven't bought a new house plant in a long time. No, you're right. You haven't. So at the end of the scene, we see that the last resort is to hold Matthew down and shave him. There's a really nice physical gag where it's Matthew closing his eyes to do visualization. And then you just see shaving cream and a razor enter in front of his face. So out in the lobby, Mr. James gives Lisa three free questions, but she is not able to get any information from him. Dave is talking to Mr. James and we get the sight gag of Matthew running shirtless and smeared with shaving cream, whining, it's just a mustache. He's not wrong. It is. It's just a mustache. I mean, that's what I like about this running gag is everybody reacts so strongly to literally what is just a mustache. Like it makes me feel sad for Matthew also in that, like, he's not even allowed to have autonomy over his own body. Like, he's not. he has no respect from anyone. <laughs> They ridicule everything he does, and then they're not even going to let him just, like, just have this thing (laughs) because it affects them because they don't like looking at it. That's right. I never thought I'd be defending Matthew. In the next scene, we're at the press conference where Mr. James is going to announce his candidacy. Apparently, Beth thought that the photo Mr. James showed Matthew is the one he wanted to use. So there's the reveal of a giant headshot of Mr. James with a Taft mustache. It really does look like a Theodore Roosevelt. Like, 
that. It actually really reminded me of um, Robin Williams in Night at the Museum. Oh, okay. Like, he looks like that to me. Yeah. Can we, can we lower this thing so my shameful tickler isn't quite so prominent? Yeah, uh, you want to lower the head? There's this huge picture, and I love Beth's um, talking into the microphone saying, yeah, you want to lower the head. <laughs> so they move the entire head down. So it's just the top of his nose and his eyes peeking Very. out like Kilroy. It's great. So Matthew, Catherine, and Joe are all back at the office. They're watching the press conference on a bunny ears TV at the conference table. Apparently all the stations are going live with this, which is like, man, it must've been easy to get airtime oh, in the nineties. Like nothing else was going I on. Guess. So when Mr. James walks in, there's actually an instrumental, like kind of marching band, John Philip Sousa version of life's been good, which I always liked. <laughs> There is a reporter uh, played by Al Roker, and he asks Mr. James the first question. So then Bill asks a series of softball questions. Uh, my favorite is, is it possible that you're overqualified to be president? Lisa asks Mr. James what she thinks are several damning questions, but none of them stick. So she asks about his marijuana use. Um, it's hard to believe this, but in the mid-90s, or I guess early 90s, when Clinton was running for president, um, people actually did <laughs> care about whether he had ever smoked marijuana, leading him to say, like, yes, I but I didn't inhale. I know. I know. It's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. Considering there's no, there's no depth to which a politician can sink now that people won't forgive. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mr. James admits to having tried a marijuana brownie once. She tries to get him to admit to being a co-conspirator in the uh, Watergate scandal, and he once again claims that he was deep throat. <laughs> so neither of those stick. She's unable to get him with anything. After hearing Mr. James' description of what he wants in a running mate, Lisa finally figures it out, and she stands up and asks Mr. James if he's just running for president in order to meet women. Mr. James uh, seems a little bit surprised. He admits to it, and he withdraws from the race, but not before putting up a 1-800 number for any lonely women who want to console him. Apparently, there are 15 million people watching, which means apparently 7.5 million women, and all the phones start lighting up and ringing at WNYX, leading Catherine to say he's too smart to be president. <laughs> In the final scene, uh, Mr. James is at the conference table with Dave. He's looking at the headline... Uh, billionaire bachelor candidate brought down by own reporter. He's a little disappointed it didn't make more of a splash in the news. Um, and Dave says, well, you were only in the race for seven minutes. <laughs> I wonder what the shortest time in a presidential race I mean, anybody has what, what even? How does it even count if you're like... I think you have to I mean, announce. People say all the time, like, oh, I'm going to run for president. Yeah. What is that? Like, I know that there's like paperwork you probably have to file. There's paperwork and there are laws about, um, like if you are currently running for an office, then this, that, or the other thing applies to you in terms sure. of like campaign finance and things like that. But so I think there has to be official, like, 
uh, entry and withdrawal points. Sure. But I I just don't know what the the shortest record for that mm-hmm. is. Seven minutes seems pretty short. Well, that sounds like it wasn't even... Clearly nothing was filed. This was just a lot of talk. That's probably true. Matthew is finally fed up with criticisms of his mustache, insisting that it's sexy. S-E-X-E. The women of the office try to tell him that no woman wants to kiss that thing. Um, Jill from Canada, notwithstanding. And all three of them refuse to kiss him to prove that point. Eventually, Bill grabs Matthew and kisses him. And the last line of the episode is Bill saying, that wasn't entirely unpleasant. Because a man kissing a man is the height of comedy. I know. We pointed it out before. I do like how even Matthew is taken aback by that. And you can see at the very end, he kind of like runs away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like he's not into it. He's like astonished and like surprised. Hmm. We do get a very short scene after the credits where the sound tech played by Al Roker sits down with Bill in the empty press conference room and Bill is trying to brag to him that he was talking to Ted Koppel, but it's not a very funny tag. Right. It almost doesn't even stay yeah. stick in my mind. No. And that's the episode. Mm-hmm. Yo, it's the 90s. So, this is an episode with lots of 90s references. See, I didn't have that many. I had like people referenced, but like sure. I guess that I guess that counts. Yeah, I'd like to hear which ones you caught. Um so I had Steve Forbes. <laughs> right? Yeah. And Freddie Mercury, even though they said eighties. Yeah. Um, Bob Dole, Ted Koppel. Yeah. And then obviously Al Roker was on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh we also had Diane Sawyer. Oh, right. Um, a reference to Mr. James being so wealthy, even the tobacco companies can't bribe him. Oh, yeah. I remember that huge campaign that was, like, led by kids, or it seemed to be led by kids. What was it called? Like, was it Truth? Maybe. It was always just, like, stand up to big tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. That came a bit later, because I remember that being a thing when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's kind of cute that Mr. James asks people what they think is the biggest problem with America and (laughs) the three answers they give are unemployment, the federal deficit and an overly complicated tax system. (laughs) And just from the vantage point of 2022, when it literally feels like our country is falling apart and both sides feel that way, but for completely different reasons, the idea of those being the like big problems facing America is just sort of sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I also like that uh, Mr. James references uh, you might just be a redneck. Oh, yeah. In terms of his God, I forgot about <laughs> shameful that. tickler. Um, Jeff Foxworthy, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Yeah. Lisa references Chappaquiddick, which was a scandal involving Ted Kennedy. Yeah. I felt like this was kind of a topical 90s heavy episode hmm. for news radio. Sure. Anything else that you caught that you want to talk about? No, this episode was pretty boring for me. Oh, okay. It just felt really one note. Sure. Well, in that case. Game? I'm guessing. Game. That it's now time for us to play a game. Let's all play the game.
All right, I have the game this time. This is Jordan's favorite thing in the world, people asking him trivia questions. I like it both ways. That's what she said. I like uh, asking people trivia questions, and I also like answering them. Okay, so these might not be the best questions ever, but... All right, I'm ready when you are. All right, you ready for this? Yeah. Okay, so this episode is about Mr. James running for president. So my questions are about people running for president. Great. You know that I'm something of a presidential trivia expert. Yeah, but these aren't necessarily about presidents. They're about... They're about running for president. Aspiring presidents. Potentially. Okay. And there's a there's a little bit of a potpourri here. That's great. Okay. So question number one, Harold Stassen, a former governor of Minnesota, educator and special presidential assistant, threw his hat in the ring nine times the record for which party? Harold Stassen? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm guessing if it's, I'm guessing if he's involved with education, it would be the Democratic Party. It's the Republican Party. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, yeah, Republican Party, and I'll tell you all the years he ran. Are you ready for this? Sure, yeah. 1948. Okay. 1952, mm-hmm. 1964, 1968, 1976, 1980, 1984, 1988, and 1992. Wow. Nine o- times. Over 50 years. I know, right? Wow. He tried and failed. Question number two. Okay. What song was booed at Trump rallies in 2016 after the musician openly opposed him after using it and campaigned for Hillary Clinton as a result? Um, I want to say this is Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. You got it. Did I get it right? You yeah. did get it right, yes. Which is sort of ironic to me that at a rally, that song could come on and a bunch of Republicans would boo it. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Yeah. All right. Question number three. Here's a softball. What are the three requirements to run for president? Great question. You know, I love a pr- good procedural question as I well. I know. Um, and you love a softball. You have to have been a native born American citizen. Yes. You have to be at least 35 years old. Yes. And. I might be stumped on the third one. Those are the requirements to hold office. I don't know if I know the third one. You have to have been a resident of the United States for uh, at least 14 years. Really? Mm -hmm. You never hear that one talked about. No. So the idea is that, like, if you were living abroad for 20 years, right. you can't like yes. come back and immediately run for president. Yes. And yes. That's, that's a concern. Fun for fact, people. though, you can run for president from prison. People oh, are yeah. talking about that with Trump right now. Right. Which is interesting. And the classic example is Eugene V. Debs, right. who ran as a socialist yes. from prison. Yes. Yeah. But I don't understand because supposedly you can't vote if you're a felon, correct? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yes. You can run, but you can't vote. Yes, you can't vote for it yourself. It depends on the state in terms sure. of felony voting. Oh, okay. But I don't think it's it's not a federal. It's not a federal no. law that you can't. Okay. Okay. Uh, question number four. What TLC star ran for state senate in Arkansas? 
Well, I, okay, so I think the TL... Oh, I was trying to name the members of TLC in my head for oh a my second. God, not the band. T-Boz, Left Eye, right? <laughs> and then what's the crazy eyes? Oh my God, just keep it moving, Jordan. <laughs> okay, sorry. What was the question? So TLC, meaning the learning channel. Uh-huh. What TLC star ran for state senate in Arkansas? Oh, um, that would be the... <laughs> Duggar Patriarch. I can't remember what his name is. That's right. I'll give it to you. Jim Bob. Jim Bob Duggar. Okay. (laughs) Jim Bob Duggar. Yep. Okay. Question number five. Which president had the slogans, are you better off than you were four years ago? And let's make America great again. I feel like this is a trick question. I feel like this is a trick question because you want me to say... Donald Trump for let's make America great again. But I feel like there's precedent with other candidates saying that many years before him. And I also feel like the slogan, are you better off than you were four years ago? Is like decades old at this point. So I don't know who originated the two of those. I'm going to say Donald Trump. I don't, I don't know. It's not Donald Trump. Okay. Ronald Reagan. Okay. And I thought that was interesting because I was like, oh, so Trump taking that campaign slogan, make America great again, is like a nod to Ronald Reagan. That's interesting. A little bit. Also, the year that he used those slogans was the year 1980. Oh, okay. Which is funny that like, so in the 80s, America wasn't great again. Mm -hmm. And apparently in 2020, it also wasn't great again. I mean, they're all looking back to the 50s, right? Because the fifties is was the was one things where we figured it out. Yeah, maybe this is too close a reading, but I also like the idea that Trump took away the word "let's." Right. Yeah. It's just, just make it now. It's just a command. Because make let's, America. Let's implies like a collective effort. Exactly. We're all working together to right. do this Co-op, thing. Cooperation. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Question number six. Name two of the four presidents that have won the Nobel Peace Prize. Okay, so Barack Obama definitely won it. Two of the four presidents? I believe Jimmy Carter has won it. I'm going to name four. Oh. And I, I'm going to say like one of two of those are right. <laughs> I guess I'll allow it. <laughs> Barack Obama for sure. I also think Jimmy Carter has won it. I would guess that Woodrow Wilson won it. I don't know if the Nobel Peace Prize, I think that probably would have been around during his presidency. And then I'm also going to guess um, FDR. Oh, you're so close. You got three of the four. I did? You picked the, the wrong R. Oh, Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think so. I'll double check my answer. But yes, I believe so. Theodore Roosevelt received the Peace Prize for having negotiated peace in the Russo-Japanese War in 1904-5. History. Yeah. But you got it. You got three of the four. Good job. That wasn't really running for president, but... Neither was Jim Bob Duggar running nope. for state senate. Nope. It's just a little tidbit. I'm All ha- right. I'm having fun. All right. Question number seven. Uh, the movie Election 
is based on a 1998 book of the same name written by what American author? So you and I actually watched this. I know. Election night 2020. Because <laughs> we couldn't. Did we? We couldn't handle the <laughs> I know we tension. watched it not that long ago, but I don't know if we actually watched it on election we night. We decided to watch the movie election. I love this movie. Oh, yeah. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. It's great. Um, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Terrific. Um, Matthew this, Broderick. Mm-hmm. This is a book by Tom Parada. Very good. He also, he has written many things. He also wrote the book that the TV show The Leftovers is based on. Yes. And just this year, he released a new book Mm -hmm. uh, about Tracy Flick. Oh, yeah. Didn't he, like, it's kind of like where she is now. Yes. Yeah, which I think is kind of funny. Good job. Um, Okay, question number eight. What American Idol runner-up has twice run for the Democratic nomination in North Carolina's 4th Congressional District, which, if elected, would have made them the first openly gay congressperson from the South? That would be Clay Aiken? Correct. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I know so little about that show. The names I know are like Kelly Clarkson, Clay Aiken, Ruben Studdard. Who won the first American Idol? Jill from Canada. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Did she? And then the next year was Ruben Stoddard. Okay. And then I think the year after that was the, there's some girl named Fantasia in there. Mm-hmm. And then the blonde girl who is like a country star now. Okay. Uh, Kelly Pickler, I think is in there. See, now we're in my wheelhouse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number nine, name one of the four presidents that won the presidency, but lost the state they were currently living in. Ooh, interesting question. That's a really hard one, Kaylee. <laughs> well, I always give you too easy of ones. I'm trying to be harder. You're good at, you're good at trivia. Um, let's see. It would not at all surprise me if Bill Clinton lost Arkansas. I guess this just gets tricky about like, well, where was he living at the time? So Bill Clinton would have lost Arkansas in 92. That's I'm going to go for that one. Um, and then I'm also going to say, how many of them were there? Four of them? Mm-hmm. I'm also going to say Jimmy Carter in 76. Lost Georgia. You were incorrect. Okay. Uh, The four options you had were Richard Nixon was living in New York. Oh, okay. He lost New York. Okay. Donald Trump lost New York. was living in New York. Okay. I guess I didn't know. I didn't think. I thought about him as living in Mar-a-Lago in Florida. And I knew that Florida went went Republican in 2016. Yeah. But I think his, like, residency is in New York. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, James Polk from Tennessee. Yes. And Woodrow Wilson was from New Jersey. Oh. Kind of an interesting question. That is interesting. Because, again, it, it's confusing because it's not the state where they're from. I like, know. born. It's, like, yeah. where were they currently living? Yep. Last question, Jordan. Question 10. Sure. Name any five of the most cited campaign slogans by Joe Biden in his 2020 campaign. What? There are five slogans that Joe Biden can like used consistently throughout his campaign in 2020. Can you name any one of them? I don't know that I can. Is Build Back Better one? Is that your answer? I mean, 
I guess I was just not sort of paying attention to the messaging and the like sloganeering <laughs> in 2020. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that I can name a single one. No answer. Uh, yeah, no. So here are the five. Yeah, shoot. First is, this isn't exactly a slogan, but I think it's like a theme or a phrase used a lot. It was We Like Ike, which just confused everybody. Ha da ha da ha. Battle for the soul of the nation. Uh-huh. Number two, our best days still lie ahead. <laughs> These are both terrible. Number three, no malarkey. Okay. Yeah. Number. Not, not any better. Number four, build back better. Okay. All right. I'm giving myself that one. Oh, you are? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number five, unite for a better America. Okay. I just find it interesting because it's like, I mean, I despise Donald Trump, but I got to give it to him. He's good at messaging. Like, he's got the message down because, like, everybody in this country knows the messaging of Trump. Mm -hmm. And when I was thinking about this question, I was like, I have no idea what Joe Biden's slogan was. You know who else was really good at messaging? Obama. Barack Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, hope. <laughs> Do you remember? Change. I know he just did a lot with one word. Yeah. You know? All right. I'll give you a half Z. I'll give you a half point. Okay. All right. So you got one, two, three, four, five and a half. Five out of ten. Five out of ten. This is a tough qu- This is a tough round. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. I know. You like presidential trivia. All right. So, Kayleen. Now is the time in the show where we give our recommendations. Jordan, do you have a recommendation? I do, Kayleen. Thanks for asking. I'd love to hear it. A few years ago, my friend Kellen lent me a book, and it's by Dan O'Brien, and it's called how to Fight Presidents, Defending Yourself Against the Badasses Who Ran This Country. And mm. so it's structured as a list of all of the United States presidents with some brief biographical information, and then strategy as to how you would fight this person. Mm. And it's a silly premise, but I really liked it, and some of the facts about the presidents really have stuck with me. Like, George Washington has some quote where he talks about, like, there's nothing more thrilling than being in battle and hearing bullets whizzing by your head, which is like, whoa. That's pretty badass. <laughs> That's pretty badass. So he'd be a hard one to take down. Mm-hmm. Or that um, Calvin Coolidge drank, like, three pots of coffee a day, so he would be, like, extremely hyped up and agitated. But, like, maybe. maybe. But, like, some people like, can handle drinking that much coffee, and it's just, like, they're still mellow yeah but it's a fun little book and if you like presidential trivia then it's a good one to pick up so that's my recommendation Hmm. all right what about you kayleen um mine is an odd one really yeah shocking i am going to recommend getting a mammogram because i am a woman of a certain age (laughs) like a fine wine And I had my first mammogram recently, and it was no big deal. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. Like, I think that I had messaging that it was going to be really painful, and they were going to, like, smash my tits, and they were my boobs were going to be all bruised afterward. And, like, 
I I will say that having nursed two children, I think did prepare my breasts for this experience. <laughs> because I'm just used to a little bit more um aggression. <laughs> With that part of my body. But again, I think that it would be very easy for a woman to like get into her 40s and just be like, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. It was so nothing. My appointment was over in 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, The oddest thing about it was just like the positioning, but like the machine like comes right up to your body. You just kind of have to turn to the side. My technician was a lovely older lady who does mammograms all day long. Mm. And she was very kind and gentle and just a very nice person. And um, I think it would be really easy to be fearful of something like that in the same way that, like, I mean, your breasts are a private part of your body and, like, the way that your genitals are. And, like, anytime a doctor is going to be up in there, that's a yeah. invasive experience. Um, so this is me just being, like... It was no big deal for me. Yeah. And I hope it would be no big deal for anyone else that wants to give it done. Um, and they they use this as kind of like the baseline to track. Or how often are you supposed to do it? It's like every so, five years? So that's a good question. I Was it yearly? Well, I thought that I didn't. <laughs> I told them I don't have family history. But then after I left, I was like, oh, shoot. I actually do have some family history mm-hmm. of breast cancer. So... Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to go every year or every other year. Sure. I'm sure it's more frequent as you get older, but you're right. The first one is just for baseline. Yeah. Um, and, but I did within a couple hours, I got a message back that was like, we didn't notice anything of note. Yeah. (laughs) Of interest. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so now that baseline is done and then I'm just like done for at least a year or maybe two. Yeah. And it was way less invasive than like getting my teeth cleaned <laughs> and it took half the time if yeah. that, you know? So I was talking with a coworker and she's a bit older than I am. And I was like, yeah, I did the mammogram thing. And she was like, yeah, next up is the colonoscopy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, at what point do you really have to have one of those done? I don't know, but you know, we're getting there. This is, <laughs> this is what happens when you get older. We have to just, Roll with it. I mean, what's the other option? Uh, taking the, like, Warren Zevon route and, like, not going to the doctor for decades and then being like, well, I hope everything's fine. And then yeah. you find out you have cancer and you die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, sometimes I think it's just good about hearing about other people's experiences and just... So, because I have plenty of my friends are in my is in their mid to late 30s. Yeah. And... I know, like, I wasn't really thinking about getting a mammogram. Mm-hmm. And then once it showed up as an option in my in my medical account is like, hey, you should do this. I was like, oh, God, like, I'm one of those people now, a woman of that age. But it was no big deal. So I'm glad to hear it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, not at all. All right. That's my recommendation. Great advice. Mammography. <laughs> Mammography. Yeah, that's right. Mammograph your memories. <laughs> All right, Kayleen, did you have a favorite moment from this episode? Um, not really. I liked the subplot of Matthew's mustache more than the presidential run. Sure. 
Yeah. Nothing. I didn't. I didn't have a LOL for this one. Okay. Sure. I think my favorite was the minute and a half in the very beginning when Dave calls Joe over and says, Joe, come quick. I think there's been an accident. And it's reporting on Matthew's mustache. Yeah. And then also uh, the the spit take and the slap. and the Oh, scream. God, I hated that. I actually actively disliked that. I thought that one was good. All right, Kayleen. So we need to rate this episode. And one of us needs to pick a rating unit. I did the game, so you have to pick the unit. That's correct. I'd forgotten yeah. we did it that way. See? <laughs> On a scale from one to five, toll-free 800 numbers, <laughs> what would you give this episode? Uh, 2.1. Yeah? Yeah. Not into it. Below average? Yeah. Okay. For sure. I'm going to give this one a 3.6. Oh my gosh. It's above average for me. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, next time we'll be talking about episode two. The title of that is Review. Somebody's going to have a performance review. Okay. I'm going to guess it's Lisa, and Dave is going to have to do a performance review of her or something, and it's going to be some dumb relationship bullshit. Mm. That's my that's my prediction. That's a great prediction. It's a very generic title. It's a very yeah. generic yeah. word. I don't remember this. Or everybody's having a performance review. Yeah. Like Dave has to give a performance review to everybody or something. Yeah. I. Although we kind of had an episode like that already with the shaft. <laughs> I did like the shaft. That's right. Yeah. I remember some things about this next episode, but not a lot. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the rewatch of season three in general, but next episode. Yeah. Um, great. Anything else you want to say? Bedtime. <laughs> All right. For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at wkjppod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.